You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we confess that there are times in our lives that we feel exactly like David felt in Psalm 55 when he said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I, I would just want wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Uh, sometimes life is like that, and we just, we just want to exit, escape, and run away. But God, we know that you are the God who cares for us. You're the God who died for us. You're the God who loves us. You're the God who is faithful to us. So we cast our burden on you, Lord because we know that you sustain us, that you never permit the righteous to be moved. So we trust in you. We choose to praise you, to lift Jesus high, because we know that Christ makes all the difference in our lives. So we're here to worship you today, Father, and we're here to worship you through our song, and we pray that you just receive these words as just a a great act of incense and prayer towards you and worship and we pray now that as we continue to worship you through the preaching of God's word that we would just place ourselves at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching be instructed from him spirit please speak to our hearts we pray this in Jesus name amen amen please be seated Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. We're going to look at these verses this morning. And uh, great to be with you. Brenda and I are both excited about being here today on this Father's Day. So I want to say congratulations, dads, uh, for making it to our Father's Day. And I uh, hope your family's treating you well. And, um, you know, you get ice, free ice cream afterwards. So that's pretty cool. Pretty neat. Your church family loves you anyways, right? So that's pretty cool. Hey, it's really, really neat to know this to true, that we have this expectation in our lives that things would grow. Some of you probably have planted seeds in soil a number of weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so, you know, depending on, on where you were protecting that, that soil. And you planted these seeds and you've watered them now and uh, you've let the sun kind of beat down on them. And you're starting to see things grow, right? You're starting to see things grow, like strawberries are coming out now and different kinds of berries and things like that are starting to happen. We had this expectation that things will grow. We, we expect people to grow as well, right? We expect babies not to always be babies, right? We expect them to grow into toddlers and we expect toddlers, please, make this true, toddlers turn into infants, and we expect infants to turn into students, teenagers, and eventually they become adults, right? At least that's what our expectation is, right? Right? Right. That's what our expectation is. We expect things to grow. Same thing is true in spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. We expect those who come to know Christ, whatever age, as being born again, Right? New birth in Christ, we expect babies in Christ to become toddlers in Christ and toddlers to become like infants and infants eventually become like teenagers in Christ and eventually they get to 
to adulthood, right? We expect that. We expect growth. Now, the reason why we expect that is because the Bible tells us that's what we should expect. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus and says, you know, God's given certain gifts to the church, grace gifts, and these people are working with you so you can do the work of the ministry and so that the work of the ministry can be done so that we can all together grow up in maturity in Christ. You can read that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. What's he saying? Expect spiritual growth. Right? It's an expectation, anticipation. On a personal level, a verse like Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that talks about how that those of us who, who are, uh, have experienced this love from God through Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ, that we should expect to be conformed into the image of his son. There's this expectation that that God's at work in your life. Do you have that expectation? Do you have that anticipation? Do you have that built into you that, that God's actually working in you, working on your life so that you will become more and more conformed into the image of his son? That's mind-blowing when you think about it. Like just the, the fact that, wow, God cares enough about me that, that that's what he wants to see happen in my life. And so... I don't know if you're like me, but I know I want to grow in Christ. I, I want that. And so Philippians chapter 3 is a really, really important chapter for us because it talks about, it talks about spiritual growth. Now, in the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul talks about his position in Christ. Okay, his position in Christ. In the first 11 verses, he talks about this righteousness that he has from God. Look at verse 9 of chapter 3. Um, I'll just, at the end of verse 8, he says, In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He's talking about his position in Christ, that he's been declared to be righteous from God. Not because of what he has done. He's cataloged earlier on the verses right before that he's very clear. There's nothing that I have done to earn this righteousness from God. This is what God in his grace through faith has given to me in Jesus Christ. It's... It's not what I have done, but through faith in what Christ has done. It's not earned, he says, but it's all totally from the grace of God. And what is that? It's to be declared to be righteous before God. It's a legal term. It's like, like a, a judge stands up and says, I declare you to be righteous. And this is what God is doing now. Apostle Paul is very, very clear. I am going to make this declaration about you not because of what you have done, not because of anything good about you, not because you have earned it, not because of anything like that, but it's strictly by God's grace. The reason why, the reason why God says that about, about Paul, and it's those of you that are in Christ, he's saying the same thing. God is saying the same thing about you. That you're to declare to be righteous. 
is because of what Christ has done for you. It's a, there's this fancy theological term called the imputed righteousness. And what that really basically means is, is that when God sees you, your position in Christ, when God sees you, all he sees is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That the clothing that you have, who you are because you are in Christ, God sees you. God sees you as he sees Christ. You have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know, like, you should be like, oh, man, I cannot believe that. This is so amazing. That's what our position is in Christ. Now, I know my position. I, I am excited about my position. And I am, totally. If I were to die today, I have this confidence that I am in Christ. And so if I were to pass from this life and go into eternity, that God would see Christ's righteousness in me and I could have a relationship with God now and throughout eternity. Not because of anything that I've done, not because I deserve it, but because of God's grace. That's my position. That's what Paul's been talking about in the first 11 verses. Then he comes to verse 12, and he starts talking about his practice in Christ. Not his position in Christ, but his practice in Christ. Now, this is what I know. This is what I know about my practice in Christ. Even though I am declared to be righteous, I am not always Help me. Righteous. Even because, even though I am declared to be righteous by God, that that's how God sees me before him because of Christ, I also know that in Christ I am not always righteous. Anybody, should we take a, should we take a vote now? How many of you are like that, like me, right? Right? There's, there's, a, there's a, a gap, there's a gap between our position and our practice. That's why I can relate so much to what Paul says here in verse 12. Okay, get your Bibles out. Let's look at what it says. Verse 12, chapter 3. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. What's he saying? He's saying, I know what my position is in Christ, right? I revel in that, but here's my practice. There's a gap between my position and my practice. I haven't arrived. I, I'm not perfect yet. I, I haven't fully made it my own. I'm trying to make it my own, but I haven't fully made it my own yet. You see what he's saying? There's a difference between your position and your practice. There's always a gap between how God sees you in Christ and how you're living right now in Christ. This side of eternity, there's always a gap. Always a gap between your position and practice. And here's the, here's the thing. Spiritual growth is all about becoming more like Christ in my life. My position in Christ is more and more my practice in Christ. And so in these next five verses, the Apostle Paul, God, himself, God is going to try to remind us through the Apostle Paul that here is a key for us if we want to see our practice look more like our position. You ready? All right, here we go. Verse 12. Let's read the passage. 
Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Here is, in these verses, one of the keys to spiritual growth. Not the only one, but one of the absolutely essential keys for you if you want your practice in Christ to look more like your position in Christ. Here it is. Spiritual growth requires a single pursuit. It requires a single pursuit. Now, here's the point. If you go right down to verse 13, and in the middle of verse 13, you see this phrase, but one thing I do, right? Everything else in these verses hangs on this, but one thing I do. In other words, Paul is reminding us, God is reminding us this morning that this is of greatest importance. When my feet hit the ground in the morning, he's saying, this is what I do. This is how important this phrase is to him. This one thing I do, this is the thing that's more important to me right now in my life, he's saying, than anything else, this one thing I do. Now, He's under no, please know this, the Apostle Paul is under no illusion that he himself can change his life, make his practice more like his position, right? Do you see in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6? Have you read the book of Philippians? Look at verse 6 of chapter 1. Philippians 1, verse 6, he says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring, uh, bring to completion the day of Jesus Christ, right? And I am sure of this, he says, that... He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, what's he saying? He's saying, God started it. God will finish it. Right? Look at chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. Same book, right? He's saying this. For it is God who, what? It's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Right, so who, he's under no illusion. He's not trying to say to us that I'm the one, I'm the one that's going to produce all the change. He just knows this is true, that God chooses to change us when we do this one thing. Right? That's what he's trying to focus on. He's saying God's the one who does the change, but I want you to know that, that for God to have a full-out avenue in your life, you have to pursue after this one thing. This is the one thing I do. What's the one thing that he does? Well, if you jump down to verse 14, right, you'll see the answer. He says, but one thing I do, here's the main verb in the whole paragraph, verse 14. I press on. Right? So he's saying, here's this one thing that I do. I know God's doing the change in my life, but this is the one thing that I do. This is the avenue. This is the thing that's of primary importance. What is that? I press on, he says. I press on. That means to constantly strive after. It means to, with all your energy, pursue this. 
right? God produces a change, growth, when you do this, when you chase after this. What's he chasing after? What's he pursuing? Well, look at what he says in verse 14. I press on toward the goal. There's a goal he has. This means he's not aimless, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, where he talks about his importance, you know, I don't box like I'm whiffing at air, you know, kind of idea, or I run like a runner as if to, run, as if to catch the prize, kind of idea, to chase after that thing. He's got a goal. He has a goal. He has a target. It's like an archer, right? An archer. I asked the crowd last night, are there any archers here? Right? Again, no archers. What's up with that? Okay, it'd be like, it's like an archer who has, who has a target way back at the back of the room. And, and the, you know what the targets look like, right? Like I, I went to camp years ago and they had these things with all the straw, you know, they'll put the straw up so you don't kill anybody. You know, so it's like the, there's this big round thing and, and then they have these circles of different colors and in the middle of the circle there's a thing called a what? What's it called? The target or the bullseye, right? The bullseye. Right? You, some of you play darts, you know what that's like. It's, like the, it's the bullseye. Right? And so that's, that's the goal. That's the target. That's what that word means there, the, the goal. It means to have a goal mark or a target. And so the archer, the archer does everything, everything that they can, everything that they can as they're, as they're pulling back on the bow and the string and the, string and the bow. They're, they're shooting for that target. They're trying to hit that little, that little bullseye. Okay? So Paul says, if you want, and this is what God's telling us this morning, if you want your practice to look more like your position, you have to have a single, single pursuit. And you have to spend all your energy to seek after a particular a particular goal. Then he says this. He, doesn't st- he just doesn't stop there, which, the, which I'm glad of that he doesn't stop there. He says, I press on toward not only the goal, but this goal for the what? For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there's a goal, and then there's a prize. Okay? Hit the target. Get the prize. Right? Got to have a goal. Got to have a target. Then there's a prize. And, he, and in the Olympics, runners used to run for medals, right? Gold, silver, bronze, you know, all those things. They run for medals. That's the prize. For the Christian, the prize is what? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody says, what's your hope as a Christian? It's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's like, it's like the return of Christ. It's the kingdom of God forever. It's like eternity. It's like the call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it, it's salvation. That's what my prize is. That's what my prize is. The goal and the prize are linked, but they're not the same. Hit the target, get the prize. Okay, I'm not a, I'm, I'm a world, I'm a soccer fan once every four years. <laughs> right, right now, right? So it's, this is pretty cool, you know? 
I watched some goals, yes, lots of goals yesterday, and it's pretty neat. And it's it's there's those those soccer teams. They come together. They're going to play for I don't know. It seems like a long time to me, but they're going to play for a long time, and and uh, they all have a goal. Right? What's the goal? The goal is to be the last team standing. Right? So they're shooting for a target. That's what their target is. They're all pursuing after that target. They're all going after that target. The goal is, the, and there might be many goals. They're all trying to get, like, oh, we got to win our next game, and we have to you know, win our next game, and then we have to win the next game, and finally you get to win the last game. That's what the goal is. And then, and then if, they, if they achieve that, if they get that, if they get that, what happens? They get their prize. They get to go up into the stands and stand in front of everybody and hold that little trophy up that everybody wants to hold up. And they hold it up like that and go, look at us. We won. You can't do that unless you what? Hit the goal. You don't get to the goal. You don't get to the prize unless you get to the goal. And this is... This is so, so, so important for us. Like when runners used to run their races and sprints, they, would, they start out and all of a sudden they lift their head and what are they looking for? They're, they're not thinking, they're not just thinking about, oh, while they're running the race, wow, that medal is going to be so awesome when it gets to hang around my neck. Well, they're running like 50 meters down the 100 meter sprint. Do you think they're thinking about the gold medal or the silver or the bronze? What are they looking at? What are they trying to do? They're trying to cross the finish line. They're trying to hit the goal because then once they hit the goal, then they know they can get the prize. The goal and the prize are linked together, but they're different. They're, they're unique. They're different. Now, look at how the Apostle Paul puts it when he talks about his own life. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Okay, so this is, this is why we don't put it all on one slide because I can't read it. Okay, so, but I know where the reference is, so that's okay. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Now, I want you to, I want you to look at verse 7, because verse 7 is the goal. Okay, look at what the Apostle Paul says about his life. He's come to the end of his life, and he says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What's he saying? I hit the mark. I hit the target. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now, look at, look at, look what happens. Because that's true, because that's true, look at the price. Verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you see it? Do you see it? Verse 7, verse 7, there is a goal, a mark, a target. And linked with that target, there's this prize, this prize. What's the target? Finish the race. Right? I'm going to keep the faith right to the end. I'm going to cross the finish line. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to be faithful to God. That's what, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to finish. And when I do that, when I do that, there's going to be laid up for me this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also all, to all who love his appearing. 
Love it. Absolutely love it. This is what the pursuit is. Spiritual growth requires a single pursuit. You say, well, why is this so important? Because when your mind and your will are not on the prize and the finish line, you become aimless, you get distracted, and there's very little spiritual growth. Why does he say, this is the one thing that I do? Because he knows that if his, his mind is not and his heart and his will are not focused on the goal and the prize, his practice isn't going to look like his position. Do you get it? This is so, so important for us. Right? Spiritual maturity is not a result of age. It's a result of intentionality. It's why some who say they've been following Jesus for 50 years have little growth, and why some who have been following Jesus for, fit for five years have much spiritual growth. It's all about what you're pursuing. Now, people who are growing in Christ know this is true. The Apostle Paul says that in verse 15. Look what he says in verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Basically, what he's saying here is if you, if you don't think that this is true, what I'm saying, well, I'm sure God will correct you. So let's, let, let's just stop here for a moment before we go a little bit more into the, into the message. Let's just stop for a minute and just examine our lives right now. What are you expending all of your energy towards in life? What's your target? What are your, go what are your goals? Do they look anything like this? What's your mind and your will focus on? What goal are you trying to hit? Is it Christ-likeness? Is it finishing the life uh, of faithful to Christ? Is it, uh, what's your prize? Right now, right now, what's your prize? What is it the thing that you're longing for the most? What are you seeking more than anything else? What is your reward? Is it family? Is it success? Is it security? Is it salvation? What is it? What is it? This one thing I do, he says. This is my single pursuit. I press on toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the key. He, this is one of the keys to spiritual maturity. It's one of the keys to spiritual maturity, to have this single, this single pursuit. Now, in order to have this single pursuit, or in order to maintain this single pursuit in your life, you have to, you have to, there's some other things here. And there's three other things that he talks about in these verses that I would like to talk about this morning that will help us maintain our focus on this one thing. Okay, here it is. Here's the first thing. If you are going to have, if you're going to be able to maintain a single pursuit in your life, you have to have correct understanding. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Right? Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Okay, you need to understand spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is never instantaneous. 
nor is it a destination that you arrive at in this lifetime. You just don't. It's a progressive process. You become, when you're in Christ, you become more and more like Christ. Maturity does not equal perfection. Right? Maturity. It's, it's not about perfection. It's about maturation. It's not about arriving at a destination. It's about progressing. You say, well, why is that so important? Well, I was telling you, if you don't, if you don't have this correct understanding, you will be super frustrated. You are going to be super, super frustrated with your own spiritual growth. I can't tell you how many people I have talked to that say things like this. Why, why haven't I arrived yet? And I just, I just want to say to you, don't take this the wrong way if it's you, right? You're not dead yet. <laughs> right? It's like justified Declared to be righteous, one day I will be glorified. This, now I'm in this progressive sanctification process. I'm never going to arrive. I'm never, you don't arrive until God calls you home. That's what your prize is. That's what the prize is, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's like, oh, man, it's, I, you just have to understand that you're going to get really, really frustrated or super, super disappointed. I just want to tell you, this is a progressive thing. It's a progression, and it's not a straight line progression. Oh, my goodness, it's hardly ever straight line, right? It's like, it can go, it can, sometimes it can go like this, sometimes it can go like this, sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back, sometimes it's two steps forward, three steps back. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. It's just, it's like a zigzag. It's a zigzag. But if you were to take, graph it out, if you were to graph it out over your lifetime, you would see a natural kind of progression. It's about a progression becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. But any one moment, you could be anywhere on the, on the graph. You could be anywhere. It's just so important to know this because pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, is some, sometimes it's a straight line. Usually it's more like a zig or a zag. Somebody used to tell me, you know, the, when it comes to God, the, the straightest line between two points is a zig and a zag. So that's what you need. You need correct understanding. When you think about it, because if you're going to get up every morning and you're actually going to go after this single pursuit, you need to remember this is a, this is a long journey that I'm on here. This is not a momentary thing. Here's the second thing. You need right motivation, or number three in your points. You need right motivation. You see what he says in verse 12? Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Right motivation. Why am I pressing on? Why am I pressing on? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Why am I trying to make this my own? Why am I trying to own this process? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Somebody might ask the question like, well, well, why bother? I mean, why bother with all this pursuit thing and kind of pressing on? I've already got the prize. Why do I need to do this, right? I, I, you know, I, I prayed the prayer. 
I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe him. I'm saved. I've got salvation. I just think I can just do whatever I want in between. I'm just going to end up at the prize anyways. Mm. So much to say, so little time. We are, if you're truly justified, if you've truly been declared to be righteous, if you have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ on you, one day you will be glorified, and today you are called and you are being progressively sanctified. Romans 6.1, the Apostle Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer to that question? No. No, it doesn't make any sense. Why? Because Christ Jesus made me his own. He made me his own. John MacArthur says it this way, spiritual children have a built-in desire and drive for growth. And if you're not in pursuit of the goal, then you have no assurance of winning the prize. Now, I don't know if you will win the prize or not. I don't pretend to know your heart condition. I don't pretend to know the condition of your relationship with the God of this universe. Only God knows that. I understand that. But listen to me. If you're not in pursuit of the goal, then you have no assurance of winning the prize. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Grace is what grows us. The grace of God and Jesus Christ our Lord is what grows us. Jesus Christ died for me. He died for you. He laid his life down for you. God, in his infinite wisdom, chose to solve our sin problem by sacrificing his own son, Jesus Christ, who willingly came to this earth and laid down his life on the cross so that through faith in him, through faith in Christ and what he has done for us, I can have relationship with the God of this universe. Christ Jesus made me his own. If you don't get up every morning and remind yourself of Christ Jesus made me his own, you're going to struggle with this single pursuit. Because our motivation to finish the cross, the finish line, is Christ Jesus made me his own. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how frustrating it becomes, no matter how much it's uphill both ways, it's hard. Christ Jesus made me his own. God had the right motivation. Every single significant uh, significant spiritual push forward in my life has always been the result of a deeper understanding, fuller realization, greater experience of God's love for me in Jesus Christ. As I look over my lifetime, that's true every time. It's the heart of the matter. We're in single pursuit in response to God's grace. Here's the last thing. You have to have a future orientation. 
You see what he says in verse 13? Brothers, I don't consider that I made it my own, but one thing I do, and we know the one thing that he does is that he presses on, but then he says this, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You have to have a future orientation. In other words, don't live in the past. Forgetting what lies behind. Don't be stuck in the past. Don't be, don't be, you put behind everything that's in your life and your past that will negatively impact your spiritual growth. Things like achievements or trusting in your achievements, your religious achievements. As we had said, the Apostle Paul lists a number of religious achievements that he had in the earlier verses in chapter 3. And he basically said, you know, none of that, none of that worked out for me. Sometimes we can trust on, on, in our own abilities, right, or our own successes. It's, there are things in our lives that make you less hungry for your pursuit of the finish line. You need to beware of pride. You need to beware, beware of false humility. Beware of those things that, that just make you stuck in the past, that lower your spiritual temperature and your hunger for what's next. Or failures. Failures are things in the past that can really hurt you, like the wrongs that you have done or the wrongs that you have done against, uh, against other people or the wrongs that have been done against you by other people. I would say that, that prob this probably is the singular battle for me. The thing that I, have to kind of, I, that I struggle with is, is, is those kinds of failures. Things that can sometimes paralyze you and make you become bitter or feel guilty or be overcome with despair. I love how Tim Keller says it, and he, others have said it, but I heard it from him first. He says, don't let success go to your head. Don't let failure go to your heart. All right? But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting what lies behind, and if you are... You are like me, and sometimes you struggle with things that maybe you've done in your past or things that have been done to you by others in your past. Forgiveness is the key. Even as Christ has, uh, God has forgiven you through Jesus Christ, so you too can forgive others. Don't live in the past. Live for the future, he says. Straining forward to what lies ahead. Do you see it there in verse 13? Straining forward to what lies ahead. Christian, your best days are ahead of you. Do you believe that? Your best days are ahead of you. You need to strain every spiritual muscle that you have, hit the target, cross the finish line, concentrate on that, expend your effort, use every piece of intensity in you because your best days are ahead of you. Now, I'm going to illustrate this, but, and I know you've seen this before. Some of you have probably seen it online. I know Pastor Paul used this a long, long time ago. Like he said, like three, three and a half years ago. I'm surprised you even remember that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's quite amazing. So I want you to, I want you to imagine that this rope, this rope, it goes on forever. Now, it, it does go on for quite a long way. It's 50 feet long, but, or something like that. And it's... Um, but you gotta imagine it goes on forever. It represents your existence. Okay, it's this, this rope that just kinda goes on and on and on 
forever, right? Right? But there's this little red piece. You see this little red piece? This little red piece represents your life now. Right? You're going to live your life right now, and then you're going to exist somewhere else for the rest of eternity. You're either going to be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. Right? For a long, long time. Right? This represents all of your existence. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even though this is true, that you're going to exist for a very long time, this is what I, see, what I find to be very true. Most of us, most of us, only ever think about this. Right? I got to make a decision here that will impact another decision here. I'm going to save some money so I can spend some money here. I'm going to plan a vacation here. We'll plan another vacation here. Plan another vacation here. All those things are good. None of those things are bad things in and of themselves. It's just that our focus, our focus is always on the here and now, always on the here and now. But what about, what about this? What about this? What about this? Look at this. All of this. That's a lot, a lot of time. Our whole attention is only focused on this. And what we just never think about, we never think about, we hardly ever think about the choices that we're going to make right here and how they impact this. Do you get it? Do you see it? We have this one life to live. We have this one shot at life. These, and all these choices that we have to make and all of these choices, all of these in choices impact this. They impact this. You have to have a future orientation. Your orientation has to be on, on the future. You have to concentrate on those things. You have to live now for the future, for the finish line, for the prize. You have one chance with it now. Live for the finish line in the future. He concludes this section with verse 16. He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. He summarizes it all by saying that. He's saying, basically what he's saying here is fall in step with what you've already attained. In other words, if your position in Christ, you've been declared to be righteous, you have an imputed righteousness from Christ, then fall in line with that. Follow that and let that be your practice the way you live in Christ. This one thing I do, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Pursue this with all of your energy. Just one of the essential keys if you want to grow in Christ. So let's pray together. Father, I just, I, we want to pray today because there's probably a lot of thoughts that are running through our minds right now. Spirit, I know that you promised to take your word and that your word would sink down deep into our souls and our hearts, and I pray that that's exactly what's happening right now. So, Father, I pray against complacency in this congregation right now. People who are complacent about where they are in Christ, they're really not pursuing the finish line. They're not pursuing being faithful. They're not pursuing the prize that's waiting for them. Father, I pray that you would move them to a moment of repentance. 
May they seek forgiveness from you. Father, I want to pray against our pursuits that are only temporal without any consideration of the eternal. God, I'm thankful that you give us this, give us this life. And I'm thankful that you teach us that the choices that we make now impact the future. And God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace and all of that. But help us to pursue, to choose now with the future in mind. Help us to choose, not for our own desires, without any consideration of your desires. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Help us to not pursue out of duty, but rather out of delight, to respond, a response flowing from God's grace because Christ Jesus has made us his own. Hallelujah, Christ Jesus has made us his own. Nothing better, nothing bigger, nothing deeper, nothing brighter, nothing more amazing than that. So, Father, help us to press on. Spirit, help us to press on. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.